I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Season two of the Plant Strong podcast, as you know, has been centered on the theme, the heart of a hero. Thankfully, even in the midst of our unforeseen global crisis, there are always those who go against the status quo and who are unafraid to wade into difficult and uncharted territory in the hopes of finding solutions for our long-term health and making the path for the rest of us just a little bit easier to follow. Well, today's guests are some of my favorite heroes and yours, Adam Sud and Tara Kemp, a dream team in the plant-based movement. For the last several months, Adam, a repeat guest and a great friend of mine, along with Tara, have been enveloped in a groundbreaking research and study into the far-reaching impacts that plant-based nutrition can have on addiction and recovery, not just to help people stay sober, but in all facets of recovery, resilience, self-compassion, physical health, and spirituality. Believe it or not, this study is the first of its kind and is backed and supported by an enthusiastic and reputable team of physicians and experts. This initial conversation took place last fall at my office when they were just starting down this path. And at the end of this interview, I have a live catch-up interview at my office with Adam to get caught up on their latest information and findings. If you're looking for a beacon of light for the future of the plant-based movement, look no further than Tara Kemp and Adam Sud. They call their study the infinite study, which is wildly appropriate because these two have an infinite level of compassion, passion, commitment, and dedication to helping people reconnect with their true selves and rediscover their self-worth. If you don't have your ticket for Plan Stock 2020, what are you waiting for? 
We've got 15 presentations from the Brock stars of the plant-based movement. We've partnered with a world-class video team to give each of you a front row seat to the tour of the farm inside and outside. Everybody will be getting a list of the meals for the weekend, along with the recipes and ingredients, so you can cook along with Anne, Jane, and myself for breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Know that each household ticket will allow you to view the whole weekend again and again and again. Know that partial proceeds are going to the Esselstyn Foundation of 501c3, doing really wonderful work to spread the good news about plants. Visit plantstock2020.com and sign up today. Here we are, season two of the Plant Strong podcast, and um, I've got Adam Sud and Tara Kemp here. Uh, we're going to talk about some exciting research that you guys are both deeply involved in. But before we get into that kind of groundbreaking research that you're doing, kind of first of its kind, I'd love to um, just talk a little bit about how I know both of you. Um, and I know both of you like different backgrounds. So I'll start with Tara. Okay. Tara, you and I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, we go back to plant stock. Yes. Going back to maybe 2002. 12? I mean, I attended the first ever plant stock. Ooh. And that was when we chatted. I went up. I was like one of the, there were like, I want to say maybe like five people total who were under the age of like 40. Right. And I was one of them. And that was when I came up to you and asked you if you needed any help because I really wanted to volunteer. And that's when I started writing for the Daily Beat. Yes. And then the, the college greens. Yes. And, and so you, and, and, and you and you were there with a boyfriend at the time. Yes. And then also uh, one of your best girlfriends, mm-hmm. right? So it was mm-hmm. three of you. Yeah. And you guys. And we dragged our parents along. <laughs> yeah. And then and you guys became known as the college greens. Yes. And, um, and if I'm not mistaken, you also, you did a, a, a little bit of an internship with Engine 2 and you even wrote a book. We did. And what, what was, was the book? Fun. What was the book about? Um, it was about helping kids to make the transition. So it was for parents and kids to do together. The first section was a lot of scientific research and background for parents to understand why this was a healthy way for kids to eat. And then the second section was recipes for kids and parents to make together. And the third section was um, activities for kids to do, like coloring or word searches or, you know grocery store uh scavenger hunts and things like that to help them enjoy the food and yeah you guys did a really spectacular job on it It was really thorough and um i think what maybe what we should do is we should put a link to that 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 (laughs) that book for people yeah i mean you know yeah i mean at the time when we first made that it was it was such a feat to have put that whole thing together, and I remember we were all really proud of it. Oh. I haven't <laughs> probably looked at it in like eight years. <laughs> no, it, it really is spectacular. And so since the college greens, mm-hmm. you've gone on and you're now doing some, some really cool stuff in the plant-based space. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you're, what you're doing, but don't talk about the research you're doing. Okay. <laughs> okay? Yeah, so... 
I mean, I have been very fortunate to work with a lot of different groups and um, work with a lot of the greats and the luminaries within the movement. I worked at the Physicians Committee for a few years with Neil Barnard. Um, I worked at Forks Over Knives. And then most recently with Mastering Diabetes with uh, Robbie Barbero and Cyrus Kambada, who I know that you recently had on the podcast as well. And um, that's been amazing. And so now I'm doing my PhD at Northern Arizona University. And like you said, doing some research that we'll get into later. But I'm also um, doing some coaching and hosting retreats and that is amazing and so fun for me what are you getting your phd in uh psychosocial health which is under the umbrella of interdisciplinary health so yeah Um, very fun stuff for me hmm okay all right well maybe we'll get it back into that in a a little bit (laughs) yeah if you need more explanation i can go into (laughs) that yeah (laughs) lots of Uh, big words (laughs) say that one more time the whole thing Psychosocial health. Yeah, um, psychosocial health. Yeah, which broken broken down means what exactly? So it's the psychological and social aspects of your health. So I'm doing a program that is this larger umbrella program of interdisciplinary health. It brings together public health, psychology, and sociology. Um, and so I'm taking obviously a perspective of nutrition, but I'm really looking at the psychological and social aspects of our health, really the intrapersonal, like the Mm. relationship with yourself and interpersonal, the relationships that you have with others. Mm. Okay, all right. Yeah. I like it. (laughs) Now, Adam. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) You and I go back to 2010. Yes. um, When you came to an engine to immersion. Um, And 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 for people that don't know, Adam was on season one. Yes. Of the Plan Strong podcast. If you want to... You know, Everyone do- go listen to the episode. It's always <laughs> yeah. worth your time. Yeah. Adam's story is amazing. Yeah. If you want to hear a deep dive, you can go there. But for those that don't know and are just mm-hmm. joining us now, can you give us a Reader's Digest you know, version <laughs> of kind of your, your journey through kind of recovery and, sure. and where, you, where you were when... Yeah. So you yeah. and I met in 2010... Uh, when I attended your one of your I think the first or second uh, engine to immersion and I was you know over 300 pounds at the time uh, did not know that I was dealing with diabetes and heart disease and um, I was battling at the time a 10-year struggle with substance abuse and uh, unfortunately you know reached a point to where I attempted suicide and ended up going into rehab where I was diagnosed with diabetes and heart disease and a bunch of psychological conditions um, and had to, to face the facts that I needed to do a lot of work on myself, both inner work and outer work. Um, and the outer work included a plant-based diet and the inner work involved a lot of self-love and self-acceptance, self-compassion work. Mm. And as a result, uh, I was able to not only reverse my chronic illnesses uh, and lose nearly 200 pounds, but at the same time, completely regain the experience of being alive and learning to love myself, how I show up every single day and love how I move through this world. And, uh, yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. Now, so when did you get this idea for this research and what exactly is the research study that has never been done before that you are now going to talk about yeah, but I want both yeah. of you to talk about it. Obviously, well, sure. This first part of the question is yeah. going to be a fun answer for <laughs> this Adam. This is really going to be fun because I was just thinking about this this morning. Um, interestingly enough, five years ago I was living in Nepal, and uh, I was doing a session uh, of yoga, and I was the only person there. So it was me and this yoga 
this yogi and, and he asked me to project five years in the future. And I'd never allowed myself to do that before. Um, it was something that, that was terrifying for me uh, as a person in uh, early recovery at the time. I'd only had about a year sober. Um, so I didn't like to look that far ahead, but I did. And uh, I got these flashes of being able to bring together the power of plant-based nutrition, self-love and uh, substance abuse recovery. And um, I went back to my, 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 where I was living at the time and I wrote in a journal that I had that I'm going to prove that there is a powerful connection between plant-based nutrition and addiction recovery, but I'm not ready yet. That's what I wrote and I put the book away. And then, uh, because I knew I wasn't ready at the time and I was gonna give myself the opportunity to create an environment for myself where I was confident that I could do it. And then last year, the opportunity came about and I found a treatment center willing to do this research study that we'll talk about. And amazingly, at the exact same time, Tara started her PhD work at NAU and after- Which it, dovetails in completely. Yeah. With yeah. It. yeah. And uh, I had, I didn't know Tara at the time when I was living in Nepal. We met about a year later. Um, oh, that was only a year after Nepal that we met. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Or two years, something like that. Yeah. And um, I just knew that Tara had to be involved. And amazingly, she had the opportunity to do it. And we are going to start the study this month, which is five years exactly from when <laughs> I did that session with oh. the yoga instructor. That's a little bit, that's a little, co <laughs> a little cosmic right there. Oh, Pretty man. incredible. Wow. Everything with this study has been pretty divine there's, and there's coming been a, together. a lot of amazing energy behind this yeah just the incredible people and passion and amazing you could call them coincidences that have mm -hmm. fallen into place um around this study which we'll talk about yeah well uh all right well why don't we talk about the study yeah let's do it yeah <laughs> so what is it so it's called we're, we're calling it the infinite study um, and the, we call it the Infinite Study simply because the treatment center where we're running the research study is called Infinite Recovery. Terry actually came up with an amazing anagram <laughs> for it. But uh, what we're wanting to do is we want to investigate the effects that nutrition has on early addiction recovery outcomes. Um, when we started, you know, when I started my recovery, I noticed a profound change in myself as a result of not only addressing you know, how I move through the world in regards to self-love and self-acceptance, but the, the profound impact that food had on my ability to show up for myself. And we started to design the research study and came, we came to understand that there's never been any research done on early addiction recovery outcomes and any diet whatsoever. And if you think about it, and why do you think that is? I mean, it was so surprising to both of us as we were starting to dig into the literature and I was, you know, looking for, okay, what has been done before and how can we do it differently or build on it? And it was like, oh, there's basic, I mean, there is a foundation to an extent. We know um, that, for instance, food plays a role when people are initially in recovery that it's something that they can structure their day around because in the past, you know, when they were in the depths of the addiction, their day was structured around 
how am I going to get the drug? Where am I going to get the drug? You know, when am I going to use, etc. And food is something that, you know, you eat at least three times a day. And so it's another thing to, you know, structure your life around. It's also something that very often becomes a substitute for the drug because it's an easy thing that when you first haven't developed new coping mechanisms, you know, it's something that you can utilize to numb or to, you know, get whatever you were needing. And... So we know that that happens. We know that food does play a role in that, whether it's weight issues or just overeating or anything like that, that food plays a role during recovery and that it's an important part of it. We also know that when someone in recovery is taught about nutrition principles, that their eating habits improve. But how does that actually affect their recovery from the addiction? Mm -hmm. We don't know. There's literally never been a study to show that. And that was mind-blowing to us because as Adam has said before you know this is an affliction that affects the physical body so intensely and most people when they enter addiction recovery their body's in a state of malnourishment whether that's the malnourished obese or whether that's truly being you know emaciated but if you're treating your body with you know if you're if you're addicted to drugs you're not taking care of your body and you're not thinking about nutrition in the large majority of cases and it affects your body's ability to assimilate nutrients and to do all sorts of things so the fact that we aren't looking at nutrition was just astounding Mm. to both of us yeah Mm. and i think it comes down to the fact that and we we talked about this i think on the season one when i was on is that we, we treat addiction from a dependency model that we look at someone and say, okay, this person is uh, addicted to heroin. Their problem is heroin. Let's create an environment where they have, they can do anything other than heroin and call it success. And I'm okay with the idea of saying, we need to get this person off of heroin. That's obvious. But to say that heroin dependency is addiction is a, it's a misstep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because anybody in addiction recovery, myself included, when they, when people told me drugs were my problem, I just had to say, I'm sorry, drugs have never been my problem. They've been my solution to not knowing how to love myself and not knowing how to show up best for myself. I don't know how to live with myself mm. or love myself properly. Drugs were my ability so to the pro- So the problem then is not knowing how to love yourself? It com- That's a huge part of it. But what we're saying is that, what I'm saying is that they look at someone who's addicted to heroin and say, let's create an environment where they can do anything other than heroin and call it success. And I don't believe that that's success because that's not treating the underlying issue of how do I show up best and live my life in a way that allows me to move forward with positivity to where life is meaningful enough that heroin... Adderall, cocaine, drugs right. in any form, sex, whatever, is no longer necessary to escape a life that's become too so painful. Is, so is that the problem then? I think so. Well, so. and it's interesting because there is so much disjointedness within it because, as Adam said, you know, we treat it from a chemical dependency model today in most cases. You know, there is the, t- the, the 12-step program, and though they, they know that there's this extra part of it, but so often it's just like, are you using or are you not using? Mm-hmm. And that is sobriety. Whereas when you look at the way that it's actually documented, it's, you know, within the DSM-5 and things like that, it's like this is we know that it is categorized as a mental and behavioral health issue. We know that the root is psychological and emotional, but then we treat it from this chemical dependency standpoint, which doesn't really make sense. And that's why for our study, we're looking at these mental and emotional and spiritual factors as well as the physical outcomes. And our primary outcome is resilience. 
because to us, that's what's really going to foster sobriety is helping someone to be in a state where when life gets difficult, they have healthy coping mechanisms to help them get through that period without mm. reverting back to the drug. Yeah. Wow. This all sounds so incredible. And like you, I am actually shocked that a study like this has never been done before. Can you explain the actual study design and how you're going about doing it? Yes, absolutely. So it's a randomized controlled trial, which is the gold standard in research. And for anyone who doesn't know, having randomization helps to make the research generalizable because it shows that there is no inherent bias in creating the different groups. So when someone joins the study, they will be randomly assigned to either a treatment group or a control group. So the and control group then is going to be fed McDonald's and Burger King? And <laughs> no, and they'll be know, eating basically what whatever what is already served at the recovery center, which is actually very, you know, nutritious, honestly. Um, this recovery center has a much higher mm. standard of nutrition already in comparison to other recovery centers. So if we were to be working with a different recovery center, we probably would see greater differences between the two groups, um, which, you know, is a bad thing for the research, but a great thing for the people yeah. involved. And so we just have to take that, yeah. Yeah. you know, humanistic love approach and be like, hey, this is great for them. Um, and so, you know, one group will be eating the standard diet that is offered there and basically have no restrictions, no guidelines. It's just, you know, eat what is offered. Um, and then the treatment group will be eating a whole food plant-based diet. So a a plant-based diet that is a plant-strong um, diet. Yes, exactly. Plant-strong <laughs> all the way. Um, so minimally processed, no oil, um, all of that. So, so whole food, plant-based, low-fat. Low-fat. Yes, exactly. low-fat for sure. Okay. Um, and yeah, and so and then there's also a nutrition education component. So the control group will be getting nutrition education that is just based on the standard American diet, the dietary guidelines offered by the U.S. government, and then the treatment group will be receiving nutrition education. This is once a week. It's like 60 to 90 minutes per session. And they will be understanding the scientific foundations as well as the bigger picture perspective of a plant-based diet. How large is this group going to be? Um, we're planning to have ideally 100 participants, but we'll see. And it's rolling admissions. So this is going to be happening over the course of the next year or so. Um, and we'll basically have admission rolling for one year. And then if we reach 100 participants before that, we'll stop. Otherwise, we'll just do it for one year and see how many we get. And we really don't know. We yeah. have, you know, there's no way to know yet how many people will sign up. We're planning to start recruiting in a week or two. And we'll see from there. We'll get a good, uh, a good idea in the first month or so how many people that are coming through decide to sign up and join the study. But we're hoping that it will be a lot because the recovery center itself is very supportive and very excited mm. and they really want to encourage as many people as possible to join. And how, how many people are at this per particular recovery center? Right, so the current uh, recovery center, there's two houses. Uh, one holds about 18 people and the other one holds 36 people. Um, because they just opened a new facility in Liberty Hill, which is this amazing 97-acre ranch, um, and they will be transitioning everyone to the ranch facility and turning the current facility into a, their detox wing. But I, what I think is really exciting is that 
like Tara mentioned before, is that we're not looking at sobriety as an outcome because this is a research in the early stages of recovery. So we're looking at those mediating factors that go into creating a foundation for strong recovery. How do these different diets impact your blood biomarkers? How does it change your gut microbiome? So this is a microbiome study. And how do those changes relate to validated scales of those factors of recovery that are so vital and so important? Things like depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> eating disorder, resiliency, spiritual growth, self-compassion. These are the factors that really strengthen one's ability to sit in those uncomfortable moments and have the resiliency to move through it with grace right. and not revert to old behaviors that are no longer right. serving them. So you're th the thinking is that by transitioning to a whole food, plant-strong diet, yes. it will because you have a stronger microbiome, because you're feeling like a, a jillion bucks, because you have greater mental clarity, uh, all these things, you'll have greater resiliency to kind of get through the tough times? Yeah, Is so... Is it going to take an early, an early recovery? It, it's, it's more than that. It's also, there's a subconscious understanding that when you sit down to a plate of food that you, haven't, that you know is healing your body yeah. that that in and of itself can be an affirmation of recovery that that can be an incredible basis of self-efficacy they can say to uh, that can be a person's statement three times a day that today is about being comfortable with being uncomfortable today is about how do i show up and say i'm worthy of this mm -hmm. even though for the longest time i felt i wasn't mm -hmm. today i am and i'm going to live in that space and then also know that the nutrition that you're putting in your body is creating an environment within yourself yeah. to make those shifts and to create the, no, the new neural pathways that allow you to be like I said, resilient and being comfortable being uncomfortable, which is going to be such a huge part of an individual's yeah. life for that first year of recovery. Yeah, so it's so it's several fold deep. Yeah, and one of the things that I always remember that I love about you know back going back to 2000 and probably 16 when you first gave a or 15 when you first gave a talk at one of our immersions was how that by you eating these these whole nutritious wholesome plant based foods three times a day, three times a day, you were basically telling yourself that I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. I deserve this. I love myself. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing how that little act consistently, yeah. meal after meal after meal, day after day, then kind of uh, has an exponential effect. Exactly. I mean, every action that we take sends a message to ourselves. So when you're feeding yourself those nutritious foods, you are sending yourself that message that I am worthy of these things. I, t I am someone who takes care of myself. I am someone who values my body mm -hmm. and my health and my nutrition. And it's, it's a cyclical thing as well, because as someone starts to experience that mental clarity, as someone experiences, you know, the understanding of, oh, I know how to take care of myself. As someone starts to drop weight, sees their cholesterol lowering, things like that, that also in turn breeds more self-esteem and makes them want to continue. And obviously we don't know if these things are definitely going to happen. That's why we're doing the research. You know, we can look at to Adam's story and see how it has affected him. We can think about ourselves and how this dietary approach has affected us each in such amazing ways um, but that's why we're looking at all these different factors and it'll be interesting it'll be fun and even from the spiritual perspective you know as someone is learning about a plant-based diet and they're understanding oh food is not just between me and the food 
it's not just me and the calories or me and the nutrients. It's also this bigger picture perspective of how it affects the environment. It's a, an extension of a value system. And it helps to build that sense of connection, not only with yourself, but with the world around you. And a sense of disconnection is a core root of addiction. Mm. And so as mm. someone is building that sense of connection and they're showing up for the world in a way that feels good to them, in a way that they're proud of, in a way that they feel connected to that greater whole, we're also hoping that that can facilitate resilience and recovery. That's exactly what I was about Beautifully to talk about. Beautifully said. Exactly what I was about to talk about because when you, when you, if you were to really look at a person who's in the, in, the, in the throes of addiction and really struggling, if you could ask them to honestly tell you how they felt, and I'll talk from my personal experience, they feel broken, forgotten, and unacceptable to the world, right? Because they believe that they're doing their best and they can't get a handle on things. They must be the flaw in the system. And because they're a flaw, no one wants them around, which makes them feel forgotten, which is a really, uh, it's, it's a crippling experience. And you also feel unacceptable to others, to the world around you. you are, you're not only not of service, you're a detriment to the greater goings on that was once incredibly meaningful to you, a connection that meant so much. And what I really love about what a plant-based diet for, did for me was that it completely shattered that belief because I believed I was broken. That's why I could never do well. Mm. But by adopting a plant-based diet, I saw all these things that I believe were a personal flaw in me start to reverse, which made me understand that I am not broken that I am worthy of reconnecting to those truly meaningful bonds in life mm -hmm. that hadn't forgotten me, I had forgotten how to connect to them. Mm -hmm. And that the fact is that they at no, at no point never wanted me to be a part of it. I had just simply forgotten how to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And food was that avenue that allowed me to relearn and rediscover, sort of remember. That's why I like to say so much is that uh, recovery is not a transformation to a new version of yourself. It's a practice in remembering who you've always been before mm -hmm. the world got its hands on you. And food allowed that environment for me uh, in order to learn those things and relearn those things that I'd forgotten. Mm. Boy, you guys are so impressive. <laughs> I'm just sitting here going, wow, this is like, this is the next generation, mm. uh, you know, just like coming up through, uh, through all the um, plant, through yeah. all the plants. But, but so, yeah, do you want to say something? I was just going to say, I mean, Adam and I, one of the beautiful things about getting to do this research together, it just feels like such a beautiful collaboration because since the first time that we met we just have this shared perspective on these things about mm. this human condition about the process of growth and even though adam has his story with addiction i've just always felt that his story is just a human story yeah. it's it's this research on addiction is not just going to have implications for the world of addiction recovery. It will have hmm. implications for us as human beings because we're all going through the process of finding acceptance with the parts of ourselves that feel unacceptable to the world and that we feel shame or self-criticism for and learning to build healthy coping mechanisms to deal with things when life gets difficult and learning how to show up for ourselves and make peace and have a a peaceful, beautiful inner, inner world. And mm -hmm. it's it's all about that relationship with ourselves that then as we build and strengthen, enables us to show up even more fully for the world. And mm -hmm. to me, that's addiction recovery, but it's such a good microcosm for what it's like to be human in this world in general. Yeah, and I really like what you talked <laughs> about when we first started talking about this. You know, you said what you find so fascinating about addiction recovery is that it forces an individual mm -hmm. to do the inner work today yes. that every human being ends up needing to do at some point. Yeah. Because with someone struggling with substance abuse, tomorrow is 
very much so not guaranteed. I, I know that that's a fact for everybody, but yeah. it's much more extreme in that situation. And right now they want us to accept that I'm addicted to Adderall because I'm an addict or I'm addicted to this because I'm an addict or I'm suicidal because I'm you know, mentally ill or depressed because I'm mentally ill. And I really just, I'm not a fan of that way of thinking mm-hmm. that when you, when you really look at the situation that's occurring, a person is an addict because they're a human in pain. And a person is suicidal because they're a human in pain. And a person is depressed because they're a human in pain. Mm-hmm. And when we can stop trying to define people by what they struggle with, maybe we can start to see that they just need someone to listen to their needs. And then we can start to say, oh, your needs make sense. Mm. Your pain makes sense. And then we can stop this dependency model focus and we can start to look at the human and how do we best serve a human in recovery. And food is a part of how a human exists. So let's investigate how to best serve that person in regards to food so that their recovery can start to reconnect them to what's truly meaningful so that the pain becomes less and less and less and they start to feel that joy and that self-love and be able to be in pain and be okay with it. As Adam says, food is how a human exists. So let's investigate how to best serve that person in regards to the food they eat. The same is true for your pet and, thanks to the work of our partner, Wild Earth, they are serving the needs of our dogs in the best way possible. Wild Earth dog food is packed with clean protein sources, high quality prebiotics and dietary fibers, all to ensure a healthy gut for your pup. No junk meat and no fillers here, just real food sources for your dog's health and well-being. Scroll down to view the show notes or visit plantstrongpodcast.com and click on the Wild Earth banner to claim your exclusive offer for up to 50% off your dog food purchase. Who are some of the other uh, people that you've brought in to be part of this this research study. Uh, so amazingly, we have quite an incredible team. The best uh, team ever. The best team <laughs> ever. So uh, Tara is the lead investigator. Okay. Um, and, and what? And, and for people that don't know, what does that mean exactly? That basically means that I developed the study protocol, obviously with the help of my advisors and other mentors and you know people on our team. But I developed the research design and protocol, and as we are gathering the data, I am the person who is overseeing that and making sure that it's all coming in as needed. And then once we, once we are starting to really have that data gathered, I will be analyzing it, putting it together. Um, I'll be the lead writer on all of the manuscripts and things like that. I'll be the one that is taking that data and turning it into the narrative that we want to share with okay. the world. Yeah. And uh, we have doctors Dean and Aisha Sherzai. Okay, who who are they, and why are they important? <laughs> well, uh, so funny enough, Tara and I, and, and they were on the first season of the Plan Strong were. podcast. So if you, if, if you if for the <laughs> listeners who are not aware of Dean and Aisha Sherzai, um, in my opinion, and I know Tara feels the same way, in the list of top humans on the planet, they mm-hmm. are among them. Um, they are th- some of the world's leading neuroscientists. They're the authors of the Alzheimer's Solution. They run the Healthy Minds. They have a, a nonprofit called Healthy Minds Initiatives, and they do the brain health 
I is it called the Brain Health Clinic at Loma Linda University? Yeah, I forget the exact name, but they yeah. have a brain health. I think it's the lab. Alzheimer's Prevention and Brain mm-hmm. Health right. co directors at Loma Linda. Yeah. So yes. they're they're the, the 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 leading authority on understanding of how lifestyle impacts cognitive function through the aging process, and so their understanding of how nutrition plays a role in cognitive decline and cognitive repair is bar none, and. I met them at Plantstock, not this year, but last year. And that's when I was first starting to think about the study. And I walked up to them and introduced myself. And we hit it off really well. And I asked them, I said, is there any, do you know in doing your research, are you aware of any, any studies that show the benefit of nutrition on addiction recovery? And I remember Dean's response like it was yesterday. He goes, Unfortunately, there is no research showing any benefit of nutrition on addiction recovery outcomes because it's never been studied. (laughs) (laughs) That that, the last because it's never those last five words are very important. Very important. (laughs) And and I told him that that was something I was getting ready to start doing. And I asked him if he'd be willing to share any of his research just on cognitive function and nutrition and. I, their response was absolutely we're going to help you 100% they created a Google Drive they sent me all of their research and I was sort of consulting with them yeah. uh, in the beginning just for help and I remember Tara and I were talking like you know what maybe we should ask them if they would like to be co-authors on the study and so I got on a call with them and they, they had been just amazing we, we were on video calls con- constantly trying to create the best design and they were so helpful um and I said, listen, you know, we re- I really appreciate you, Tara and I really appreciate the, the consulting that you guys are doing with us and helping us do this, but do you have any interest in co-authoring the paper? And their response was, absolutely. And this is something that's so important. And so I asked them, I said, you know, what can I offer you in order to make this happen? They said, you don't have to do anything. We're on your team. <laughs> and they have just been the most incredible support for us and it's really elevated the study to a completely different level yeah. because of the esteem and yeah. the recognition that their names carry yeah. um congratulations that's that's fantastic yeah it's yeah. it's incredible yeah I, I wonder you know with the sure's eyes it's like two and a half three years ago never yeah. even heard of right. the sure's eyes and now all of a sudden you you know especially if you're in the plant-based mm-hmm. world you cannot move without seeing them no, like somewhere yeah. especially because i think aisha has been on dr oz like 10 times <laughs> it's something, i mean something they're just yeah. to call them a force of nature would be an understatement yeah. And it's not just Dean and Aisha; it's the whole family. The whole right. family. Yeah. Alex and Alex yeah, and the Sophia kids are, are just. Incredible as well. Yeah. They're. Yeah. I mean, I look at them. I'm like, ah, oh, what a promise for the future, right? <laughs> so true. Yeah. Well, you know, and their whole family mission is to reduce suffering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So every day they get up as Team Shirzai, and you know they're they're doing such amazing work. They're, so who who else? Who else do you have? Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, a, a young doctor named uh, Dr. Frank Cusimano. Um, who was doing his microbiome study PhD work at Columbia University. And interestingly, um, I had just done an episode on a podcast called Plant Proof. And we talked about the study. And then he reached out to Tara and I via Instagram and was like, hey, listen, I saw <laughs> you guys. Social media world coming through. I see you guys are doing a, a study that involves microbiome. Do you have a microbiome specialist on the team? And interestingly, we didn't at the time. It was something that we were really. We were searching. We were, we were searching, searching for, for someone Again, who would be able to yeah. help us with that. It's, it's and, yeah. all, everything coming together. Yeah. And uh, I was in Costa Rica at the time. And so I called Tara. I was like, 
you're, this is your language. You get on the phone. You talk this this Frank guy who I've been following for a while on Instagram. Uh, and she calls me back like an hour later. And I thought she was crying at first. <laughs> and But she just was just laughing. Excited. She was laughing. She was so excited. She's like, he's so in. He's so in. And we're gonna we're using the Wang Laboratory at Columbia University, which is the one of the most advanced microbiome labs in the world. Mm. Um, and his understanding, he's plant-based himself, and his understanding and his passion for microbiome work is just so unbelievable. For people that don't know, yeah. and let's keep this relatively brief, but mm-hmm. what's the microbiome? And I mean, can you, can you give me a quick answer on that? Yeah, sure. So the microbiome is basically the microflora, the, the microorganisms that live in our gut. And we are very early on the brink of understanding just you know as a scientific community in general we are very early in the stages of really understanding what the effects of this microorganism community that lives in our gut how it affects our bodies and our minds but we know that it does we know that there's a huge connection to our weight to our health overall to how we assimilate nutrients to our brain health to our mental health cravings There's, yes to all of it to, and as well as emotional health yeah literally just yeah. it affects everything so, and so we're taking fecal yeah. samples at various points to understand how the gut flora is changing yeah. based on the the dietary protocol or not and um really looking at how that then correlates to these other components that we're looking at like how does that affect the depression and anxiety scores how does that affect weight and cholesterol how does that affect you know all of these things so yeah and if it's, we, it's very exciting yeah and let's just say that we are comprised of 10 trillion cells yeah right your microbiome is comprised of a hundred trillion right cells. 10 times more than that 10 times more and do, do we have any like any idea on how quickly our microbiome starts to very, very fast starts to transition fact, when the you, way that we're doing is the day one you do a, a fecal sample and day five you do a fecal sample because it's that fast and we were even going to do day three yeah. and then we were like oh well let's let's just say day yeah. five just in case but our yeah. initial plan was to do point zero and then day mm-hmm. three yeah. yeah um but we switched it to day wow. five i've even i've even heard that the microbiome is considered like the lost organ mm. it is you know what connects uh our basically our what our guts to our brains just, yeah. i mean it's anyway it's i mean if, if you think about if, if you think about the fact that in terms of physical and physical health everything comes down to cellular mechanisms right um for, to, to some degree and the majority of cellular mechanisms that occur aren't us they're this microbiome how could it not have a profound impact on how we move through the world yeah. Um, and I'm glad that it's starting to become a new field and avenue of research. Mm. But like Tara said, it's so new. Um, and it's really exciting because of how new it is. So let's let yeah, well, I just I wanted to say one more thing, which is to, you know, going back to the research team, just to give a shout out to my advisor, Jay Sutliff. Oh, absolutely. Jay's the- he has been an incredible support yeah. in this process and such a good mentor to me. And I mean, I took a leap in reaching out as an early PhD student to bring in a new study because that's not something that's typically done. Typically, PhD students will just support the work that's already being done at a university. Mm -hmm. So for me to come in and say, hey, I have this new study idea um, that my friend wants to do with me. And for him to, you know, it was it was a leap for him as well to say, "Okay, let's do this and we'll take it on together. And he's been an incredible support. And he is he is 
amazing in his own right in the plant-based research space or in the research space in general. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to include him in that, yeah. that team shout out. Oh, yeah, there's been a lot of people that, so that, that have also helped us. And Dr. Elizabeth Winings helped mm-hmm. us out really early on with yeah. really like, how do we, how are we going to go about doing this? Like what, what do we need to look at? And yeah. And I mean, so, Gigi, our statistician, she's yeah. been, incre- you know, there's been, yeah. there, there's a whole team behind this study and, yeah. and we're just two voices here, but yeah. yeah. So let's say that I'm, um, uh, at the Liberty Hill Recovery Center. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is that what it's called? Or is I mean, it called? It's called the ranch. The ranch. Okay. Yeah. Let's say I'm at the ranch and uh, I get assigned to uh, the uh, control group mm-hmm. that is not getting the mm-hmm. plant-based meals. Um, are they all... I mean, I guess what I'm wondering is, so you got these 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 people, you got the two groups... Are they going to be eating together? Are they eating separately? Because I would, I could see question. this being very divisive. Yeah, with, that was with, a with, major the concern of there. ours. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, we spent really... a lot of time going over how we're going to make this effective. So, and how you and also that? how we, we really didn't want people to feel more isolated yeah. in what they were doing. Community is such a huge part of early recovery to feel connected. Uh, and not feel separate. So this was something that we spent a lot of time going over. How are we going to create an environment where yeah. they don't feel isolated? They don't feel divided. Yeah. And so. So how do you do that? What we essentially decided to do is batch randomization. So when people come in, um, we will. It's still randomly done, but we will have groups at a time. So say in one week, five people sign up all five of those people will be put into the same group. And then the next week, if six people sign up, all six of those people get put into a different group. And so there will always be two different groups of people Uh who are going through the study at one time, but we don't want anyone to ever be alone in what they're doing. And then how does, how does mealtime work? Uh, You guys, are people eating together? Mm -hmm. Are you going to have the standard American diet? Yes. And then the, the, the plant-based people eating at the same tables, different tables? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be all in the same area. It's going to be controlled, right? So individuals, let's say the treatment group, um, they would come in and be served their food. And we do, we do food photos so uh-huh. that we know what they're eating, how much they're eating, when they're eating. Um, and, uh, but interestingly, uh, in, we really don't see it as being like that much of a point of contention, um, because you're not going to be alone. You're going to be with a, a group of people. And it's a smaller than average sized treatment facility where there's such a huge, every other thing that you do is all about connection and community. So we don't really see it as being the one thing that's going to break that. Uh, I actually believe that we're going to see people being very supportive of it. Um, uh, and I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Like in the future, it would be ideal to have two separate centers you know one that is entirely doing one and another that is entirely doing the other but we didn't have that opportunity and you kind of just we don't have it yet with with (laughs) with what you have but something that we didn't mention that i think is also an important part of the research design that is advantageous and just has been an awesome opportunity is that this recovery center is the full continuum of care so we are having people as soon as they exit detox they'll be recruited to the study and if they start they have about three weeks of inpatient where they live at the facility. There's, you know, it's basically a very entirely controlled environment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are eating what they are being fed. And we have the full control over what the menu is and how their day looks. And then after that three week point, approximately, 
they have another seven weeks of the intervention, and that is when they're an outpatient. So they're still spending the majority of the day there, but they're eating breakfast and dinner outside of the facility, and then lunch they pack themselves. And so they're eating on their own. And so we are still doing... 24-hour dietary recalls to track, you know, what they've been eating, and we're still running all of the measures um, in terms of, like, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, but they're on their own. So we've got the first three weeks of this controlled environment, and then the next seven weeks of Mm -hmm. tracking, do they stick to it? Does this work? And so I think that is really exciting to have both of those environments being tracked as they head into sober living. Yeah. Right. And so you obviously have the, the menus all figured out. Yeah, we have. Uh, oh, Are they rotating of, around sweet potatoes, oatmeal, <laughs> yeah, and uh, rice and beans? Um, <laughs> it's actually a pretty diverse menu. I just yeah. finished putting it together a few, uh, yeah, the other day. And it's, you know, we've got all sorts of different cuisines, all sorts of different, you know, it's it's. But you have it broken, broken up like by what, three week periods or a month it's or a four, just weekly? Week, four yeah, week it's menu. a four week four menu. That, rotate, and, that would mm-hmm. rotate around? And in yeah. fact, wow. you know. And Brent, not a, there's a different lunch and dinner every single day for four weeks. Yeah. And you know, Brenda Reed, yep, she steps. helped us uh, with training the staff and yeah. helping us come up with the, yeah. how we're going to feed. We very much base it on the engine to immersion sort of style of like you have yep. individual ingredients that you put on a plate and you sort of assemble food onto a plate rather than having being you know like right. everyday well, like lasagna. well that was the initial plan yeah. but now they it's full recipes yeah cool so. what, what was that anagram that, that cool anagram that you were oh, talking about man. earlier so infinite is investigating nutrient-dense food intervention to nurse increased treatment effects yeah, that just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I know you got an interview to get to. Yes. Um, I, you know, I just can't say how proud I am of you, Adam, of you, Tara, and um, the contributions that you guys are making in in this space and then beyond this space. Mm. Uh, when I think about so many people that are, as we just talked about. Um, not happy for whatever reason, trying to find value, trying to, you know, feel like they're doing important work moving through this life. And the number of people that are uh, suffering from addictions Mm -hmm. to opioids and you name it. Uh, I don't think that this work that you're doing, and I think the results that are going to come from it could come at a a, a better time. So thank you for being such courageous, you know, thought leaders and, uh, and making this come to fruition. It's huge. Thank you, Rip. Thank that you. means the world. Yeah, it really and does. Your your support in both of our lives. I know that we both value your place in our lives, and we love mm. seeing what you're doing, and you're an inspiration to both of us so much. Very much so. I wouldn't be alive without you, so, you know, <laughs> it's a... Uh, but, you know, and for those who, who want to follow along with what we're doing, um, my nonprofit is funding the research. And so you can go to the website, which is plantbasedforpositivechange.org. And as the research is going on, we'll be posting. Uh, 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 right now we have a video that talks more about it in depth, and you can follow along with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to make a donation to the nonprofit, you can as well. Um, all of the, the donations are going to go towards the research study. Wow. Wow. You guys, thank you. With that, Peace, take my lead. Peace, engine two, keep it plan strong. (laughs) Adam lives about five minutes from my office, and so he was kind enough to zoom on over and get me caught up on where he and Tara are right now, six months into their infinite study.
Here you go. All right. I am here with Adam Sud. Adam, gosh, the last time that you were, you and I were sitting at this table yeah. was with Tara. That's right. It was November 14th, believe it or not. Last year. And we were talking about the research study that you and Tara and the Shur's eyes and everybody were embarking on. Yes. And it's now, you know, at least six, seven months later, we're, we're in the midst of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd love to get an update on where you guys are in your research study. And just, can you give me uh, just a quick 30-second uh, encapsulation as far as what the research is? Yeah. So, yeah, we, uh, we actually started the research study, officially began January 1st of this year. So we're, we're, six, we're in the seventh month of it right now. And what the study is essentially investigating is the impact of nutrition and nutrition education on early addiction recovery outcomes. So amazingly, and we talked about this in the, uh, when, we, when we met earlier, that's, th- this has never been investigated. They never investigated how nutrition impacts the, uh, the mediating factors of early addiction recovery. So your mental health outcomes as well as your physical health outcomes in regards to strengthening those factors that create hopefully long-term recovery. And the treatment diet is a plant-based diet. And then we have nutrition education to support that diet. And the control diet is what they're already serving, which is a, an elevated Western diet. It's meat, it's eggs, it's dairy. It's a, it's a huge reduction of refined processed foods. But again, it's a Western diet. And so uh, we've created a nutrition education to support that protocol as well. And then we look at how each of those impact various blood biomarkers, microbiome changes, and how those changes relate to changes of uh, measuring anxiety, depression, self-compassion, resiliency, spiritual healing, eating disorder, mania, obsessive compulsive drug use. Essentially, how does what you put into your body and your understanding of what it does for you, the self-efficacy that's gained from the knowledge of how food impacts your entire self, create a stronger foundation for which an individual can recover upon? Mm. So we're, yeah, it's a pretty incredible, incredible study. It, well, I mean, it just gets me excited just yeah. hearing you like encapsulate all that in, in one fell swoop. And so where are you now? Six, seven months in. This is month seven. And um, every single piece of data that we're capturing is completely novel, right? We've, there's never been a study of any kind ever done on this exact, you know, uh, scenario, right? No one knows what diet does for an individual in early addiction recovery in a treatment center. It's never been investigated. So even the treatment, I mean, sorry, even the control diet is completely novel data, right? It is a first of its kind research study, not just the plant-based diet, all of it. And, you know, we have some early results back. And what we've discovered is that in the 10-week intervention, because it is a 10-week intervention, the first three to four weeks are within the hospital rehab setting. The following six to seven weeks are in sober living, is that the average individual is dropping significant cholesterol levels with a greater drop in the treatment group. Triglyceride levels are dropping with a greater drop in the treatment group. The anxiety, depression, resiliency scales are doing better in everyone with a greater result in the treatment groups. Um, we're seeing uh, amazing qualitative data. So this, we're capturing the actual data on biometrics, but we're also capturing the stories mm. of how these people feel about the recovery they're experiencing. You know, we've, we've got people saying, this isn't my first, my second, my third time in recovery, but this one's different. 
and that individual is speaking about being on the plant-based diet, that it is allowing them to connect mm. to something greater than themselves. They feel a connection to nature. They feel a spiritual connection to themselves. They experience a mental clarity that they haven't experienced uh, previously. Um, and so someone could say, well, that's their fourth time in recovery. Well, we're also hearing that in people, it's their first time in recovery. We're also hearing it from people who this is their second time. It's a common thread that we're hearing from people on the treatment diet. And, you know, we look at the work from Dr. B about yeah. brain fog and what happens when you start to increase your fiber intake and how it repairs the blood brain barrier. And we're seeing it. But we're seeing it and how it plays out for someone who really is experiencing some dysregulation with their mental clarity and how that impacts their emotional health mm. and how that is can either make things more difficult or more empowered in recovery. But you can't you can't tell me that you're surprised by any not, of these results. I'm not surprised, but at the same time I'm just I'm so excited because we could make amazing assumptions based on you know what you and I have experienced, what we know has been has been shown through research, through epidemiological studies, through randomized controlled trials on you know various specific processes in the body, and we could say it's going to do better. The plant-based diet is going to do better, but now we know. Yeah. Now yeah. it's not a guess. Yeah. And not only that, now for the first mm. time ever, we can say, look if. The thing is, everybody who's coming into the treatment, into the into rehab, is seeing improved results because people typically enter very, very sick, either overfed and undernourished or underfed and undernourished, chemically dysregulated through substance abuse or through medication misuse. Um, they're emotionally unstable. And so everybody for the first time is getting a sense of structure. They're getting a regular diet that is more nutrient dense, no matter which diet they get than what they were doing before. They're off of their destructive substances. So everyone is seeing an elevation in their overall well-being. But the treatment diet, the plant-based diet, it's doing better. And I'm not surprised by it. And now it can't be for the first time we can say with confidence, this is what is happening. Yeah. Are you guys able to measure like how much better it's doing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have validated scales of measuring every single outcome that we're looking at. Our primary outcome is resiliency. It's a, a scale called the Connor Davidson Resiliency Scale. It was specifically designed to measure the effectiveness of PTSD treatment. Mm -hmm. And so what it really is, is how does whatever the treatment that you're using create a greater opportunity for the individual to confront a difficult situation and then move through it with positivity and, and grace and be able to make a uh, a greater future for themselves to where when that situation arises again, they have tools. Mm -hmm. And so we're now seeing that diet isn't the only answer for it, but it creates an opportunity to have greater success. I'm just blown away that this study is finally coming together. Uh, we've been working on it for two years. Yeah. And then, then to see the data and just, you know, the data is great and I love it. But what, what really gets me going what really fills my heart is the qualitative stories. Somebody saying, I felt like I couldn't recover. Mm. I, this is my fourth time. And I felt broken. I felt like this was, I'm just going to be a habitual rehab patient, constantly going in and out, like the revolving door individual. And now it's different. And I feel a greater connection to myself. I feel a greater spiritual connection to how I move through the world. I feel a greater connection to the natural world around me. And it's so funny because an individual is saying, and I never thought this was happening. I was 
convinced I was going to leave and eat pepperoni pizza. And now I feel like for the first time, I don't worry about what I eat and then have it have a negative impact on my view, how I view my body. Mm -hmm. There are people who have had issues with eating in order to, you know, and how they, they felt about their body. And now they have a loving relationship with what they put into their body and how it relates to the way that they feel about their body. Because one of the things that I know Tara and I are very passionate about is, you know, loving your body isn't so much what your body looks like. It's loving what your body does for you. And one of the things I find so empowering about a plant-based diet and recovery is that it, it very quickly gives you evidence that your body has never given up on you. Mm. Mm. It very quickly shows you that even in the worst of your moments, your body was like, I am going to fight like hell for you. Give me the environment to do it and you will be amazed. And I will love you like you've never been loved before. Mm. Mm. And that's what we're seeing so amazingly with the data, with the stories uh, in the treatment diet. I love that. Your, your, your body is never going to give up on you. Never has. Right? If ever there's evidence of it, you take a very sick individual you put them on a plant-based diet like we do at the retreats. Yeah. And in three days, their entire biometrics are different. If that's not evidence that the body's been fighting for them since day one, yeah. I mean, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's like people think that their body is sick and you're trying to make it well. Your body is well and it's trying to fight the disease. And this is absolute evidence of that. You know, it's like, um, it's like your body has been sitting there and you give it this opportunity you give it this diet you create this environment and then you will hear this voice from inside of you saying i've been waiting my whole life for this mm. and it's just the most like that the stories are what really hits me hits home for me yeah um because you could look at data all you want and i'm glad we're going to have it because academia the research uh industry they'll love it but i want people to feel empowered i want people to feel like they're learning to love themselves i want people to feel like they're reconnecting to what makes life meaningful mm -hmm. because that's what's going to allow them to have a life that they enjoy and to be okay with the ups and downs, to experience pain and discomfort and sadness and still love it mm -hmm. and appreciate it, see it for what it is. It's this like recognition that we are capable of such amazing you know, breath of emotion. Um, there's a, a saying from uh, an amazing person um, and she says that uh, grief is as sacred as joy. It is the receipt of having loved. Mm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, if, if a diet can help people connect to that understanding, it's just unbelievable. Um, well, that's a, that's a great um, yeah. That's a great update mm -hmm. on everything that's going on. Yeah. Now, just just to kind of tease people just sure. a little bit. Uh, is there any chance that we'll be a, seeing a book from you in, in the future and we can have you back on the podcast to talk about that? It is in the works right now. So I got, uh, I'm, I'm working with a literary agent, um, an amazing literary agent who actually is Dr. B's literary agent. And uh, working for, with people, for people that haven't listened to that podcast yet, yeah. who is Dr. B? So Dr. Will Bolshewitz yeah. wrote the book Fiber Fuel, and it is maybe the most comprehensive and best written book on gut health that I've ever read. And he has an amazing uh, social media presence as well, where yeah. he 
does amazing Instagram lives and IGTVs and posts all the time. He's very dynamic. He's very intelligent. And he's very, he has a, uh, an amazing ability to present his knowledge in a way that is absorbed easily by every single person. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back about four or five episodes. You'll, yeah. you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, okay. So we got a book coming down the pipe. We've got uh, this study that is, you know, six months in, mm-hmm. rolling along nicely. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you want to share with us that's extremely exciting that's going on in your life? Um, you know, I mean, just living every single day, <laughs> you know? I living mean, large, living baby. Life. It, it, you know, the, the study is taking up a lot of my time. The, the book is now something new that I'm really excited about. Um, and uh, still working with Mastering Diabetes, and yep. we're doing that, you know, doing that every single day. And, um, and if yeah. I'm not mistaken... You'll be making an appearance at uh, Plantstock. Oh yes, this shirt, by the way. <laughs> yes, Plantstock. Uh, Plantstock 2020, Plant baby. Plantstock 2020. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Virtual, uh, virtually pre- uh, brought to you from the Esselstyn family farm. Absolutely, I'm yeah. excited about it. It's, you know, it's a new ground, so we'll see. Exactly. Yeah. These two are going to infinity and beyond to help people come out the other side of addiction and recovery well beyond just sobriety. If you're struggling, know that you are not unwanted and you are not forgotten. You are a whole person. And through the work of heroes like Tara and Adam, it is our hope that the path to rediscovering your wholeness starts with a whole food, plant-strong diet. To learn more, visit our show notes at plantstrongpodcast.com or plantbasedforpositivechange.org. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Plant Strong Podcast. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn, for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.